This morning we invite you to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. And we'll begin reading with verse number 18. Matthew chapter 1, beginning with verse number 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took him took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. May the Lord add his blessing uh, to the reading of these verses here uh, this day. The account which I just read is one that is familiar to you, I'm sure, uh, especially uh, this uh, time of the year. Uh, from the very first words of the Gospel of Matthew, we see that he sets before us that of a central theme. And that theme is Christ the King. Christ the King. Uh, you note in verse number one, uh, it says, The book of generations of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Uh, you might have noticed that I didn't read those first uh, 17 verses. I didn't want to get into that of the difficulty of reading all those uh, names. But we would say to you that uh, the genealogy here uh, is uh, for a reason. It's here for a purpose. Uh, and uh, you'll note there in verse 1 that there are two Old Testament uh, individuals that are spoken of there uh, in verse number 1. And we know them well. Uh, they are Abraham uh, and uh, David. Uh, here the uh, writer Matthew, he sets before us that of two individuals uh, that are uh, fathers uh, uh, in the history of the Jewish nation. Uh, and these individuals, God, he spoke unto them and he uh, made a covenant with them. Uh, over in the book of Genesis chapter 12, uh, if you remember uh, the history we're told of the Lord speaking unto Abraham, and he said unto him, I will make of thee 
He's speaking of Abraham, a great nation, and I'll bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Here in these words that the Lord spoke unto Abraham uh, in that day, he made a promise. Uh, uh, and uh, later on in the book of Genesis, we have uh, that of what we know of as that of the Abrahamic uh, uh, covenant. But the promise that uh, the Lord made here, and, and in particular what I want to draw your attention to, is found in that last part of verse number 3, where he says, And in thee shall all the families of the earth uh, be blessed. Now, uh, this is none other than that of a promise of that of the uh, one that would uh, come the Messiah in these shall all families of the earth be blessed uh, in other words not only uh, Abraham will you be blessed uh, but all of the families of the earth will be blessed by that of this one uh, that I speak to you about uh, that I give this promise to you uh, here now, as we said in Genesis 17, we have that of which we know the Abrahamic covenant. But in the New Testament, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 16, we're told by the Apostle Paul, Now Abraham and his seed were not the Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith, Not unto seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. So uh, here we have in the Old Testament the promise uh, uh, that through Abraham uh, all nations would be blessed. Speaking of that promised seed, and then as we come to the New Testament, uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul gives us a commentary uh, on that very uh, statement. Uh, and uh, that commentary is, is that this uh, one who would come through that of Abraham is none other uh, than that of the Christ. And so here we see a connection in the very beginning of Matthew then, uh, going all the way back to that of Abraham. Uh, you say, well, what about David? Well, David, of course, was the king of Israel. Uh, it was to him that the Lord promised uh, that the Messiah would come also. Uh, in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 7, uh, we have the Lord speaking to David through that of the prophet Nathan. Uh, and uh, as the prophet Nathan comes to David, uh, the Lord tells David, uh, basically through the prophet Nathan, that uh, through him would come uh, the Messiah. And so, as we come to the book of Matthew, uh, uh, we have that of these two men uh, that Matthew begins with in the genealogy of Jesus Christ, pointing us back to, to them and that of the very fact uh, of the promise that God gave to Abraham and to that of David uh, uh, here. Now, as we think for just a moment, in David we have that of kingship. Not only do we have that of kingship, we have uh, that of royalty. The Lord also told that of Abraham that through him would come uh, forth that of many 
kings. And of course, the king of kings, uh, going all the way back uh, to that of Abraham uh, there. Our subject this morning is found in that of verse number 21. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now these are the words of the angel unto Joseph. As we look at that of the verses that we read, uh, we're told of the, the manner or the way of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse number uh, 18 says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was upon this wise, or in other words, it was in that of, uh, of this manner. Uh, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. As we consider that of our text this morning, the first thing that we want to consider is that of the one that is spoken of here uh, through whom this one uh, would come forth. Uh, we're told there in our text, and she shall bring forth uh, a son. Well, as we look back upon that of the earlier verses, we know that this one who is spoken of is none other than that of Mary. Now, we're not given much information uh, about Mary. We do know that she was uh, that of a uh, rather poor peasant uh, uh, young uh, girl. But as we come forth, uh, in that of the passage, we find some things uh, here in the passage uh, about her. Uh, we're told uh, that she was uh, espoused to one by the name of Joseph. Now, this Joseph, he was a, a just man, uh, we're told. Uh, Mary, we're told that she was espoused to him. Now, in that day, it was as good as, you might say, that of marriage. Uh, but we note here in our passage, we're told that Joseph and Mary had not, had not come together as husband and wife. So, uh, there had been no sexual relations uh, between that of Mary and Joseph. And here we see Mary, uh, she comes uh, with that of child. Now, in that day, that would have been that of a terrible, terrible embarrassment. Now, in our day, uh, it's nothing. But in that day, it would have been a terrible thing. It would have uh, declared that Mary had been unfaithful unto Joseph, uh, the one that she was espoused to, to be that of his wife. So 
So here we have Mary. She's uh, a peasant. She's one that is very poor. She's married to that of a uh, man by the name of Joseph. Uh, and he is one, we're told, was that of a just man. Now, when Joseph found out about that of Mary, of course, he didn't want to bring shame upon her publicly. And we're told here that he thought upon that of the uh, situation and he thought it would be best to put her away privately. Now, the, the way that is put, put away, the idea is, is that of divorcement. Uh, that's how uh, they did it back in that day. Mary and Joseph, they were espoused, and it was just as good as that of them being husband and wife, other than the fact that they had not come together. Well, during that time that Joseph thought upon uh, this, the angel of the Lord came unto Joseph, and a dream were told here, uh, and told Joseph here in that of our text, Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived is of the Holy Ghost. Joseph, everything is, is fine. This one who you are espoused to, Mary, she has not been unfaithful to you. She is with child and she, is, she has this child by that of the Holy Ghost. Now can you imagine, beloved, what went through the mind of Joseph upon this occasion? And likewise, as we look over into the Gospel of Luke, uh, in that of the second chapter, we find that the angel of the Lord comes unto that of Mary and uh, speaks to her and tells her that she is one who has been highly favored of the Lord. And of course, you know, she doesn't understand, you know, how this has all taken place. And the angel of the Lord tells her uh, that it's of the Lord. She shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Here we have testimony, beloved. Testimony of a fulfillment of a prophecy. And when you look back at the prophecy and when it was given, it was over 700 years prior to this that this prophecy that is given to us here was spoken. Behold a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a child. And now as we come to the New Testament, as we come to the Gospel of Matthew, here in this account, we see the fulfillment of that prophecy. That of a virgin. A woman who had not known any man. 
conceiving and bringing forth that of a child and this being of the Holy Ghost. I realize there are multitudes of people who do not believe in that of the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. But that's not the case here today. We believe that it was a virgin. Mary was a virgin and that she did bring forth a child and that child being none other than that of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that it was necessary for her to be a virgin. And for the Lord Jesus Christ to be born of a virgin. I'm reminded of the first promise. The first promise given in the book of Genesis. Chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 15. We have, of course, the third chapter being the fall of man, Adam and Eve. And Genesis chapter 3, verse 13, it says, And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field upon thy belly shalt thou go and thus shalt thou eat all the days of thy life and I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed her seed get that but When you think of the seed, you can only think of the male. The promise here in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 uh, was none other than that of a prophecy, beloved. A promise of this one who would come. Isaiah declared, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son. And now, here in Matthew, we see that very thing taking place. The Virgin Mary and the Lord Jesus Christ being born of her. It was necessary, beloved, for Jesus to be born of a virgin. For Him to come and to be our Savior. For Him to come and to die upon the cross and to pay Beloved, the payment of sin. It was necessary. It was necessary. The one who would bring forth a son, none other than that of Mary, a poor peasant, whom was chosen out by that of God to be that of the channel through which the Messiah, the Savior, would come. 
We're told in our text, She shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. And then he goes on to give us the reason. For he shall save his people from their sins. Names in that day were important. If you go back to the Old Testament Scriptures, you find that names were important. Names were given to individuals uh, and they were given with that of a meaning. And here, beloved, we have that of the name being given to that of the Messiah. That name being that of Jesus. And Jesus, it means Savior. It means Jehovah saves. What a beautiful name. What a beautiful name. What a wonderful name. Thou shalt call His name Jesus, for He shall save His people from their sins. Here we have that of the reason. The reason why He is named that of Jesus. But before we go there, I would also point out again once again to that prophecy that we have here in that of our passage. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Jesus, Savior, Jehovah saves, Emmanuel, God with us. There are other names uh, that are given to him. If you look back over into Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. And in verse number 6. That same child prophesied of over in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 is the same child that is spoken of here in that of Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Move at all of these names are given to that of this child that Isaiah prophesied of and this one whom we see is born here in Matthew chapter 1 by that of the Virgin Mary. The mighty God. God manifested in the flesh. Yes, beloved, Indeed, here before us is indeed that of a miracle. A miracle. And a wonderful miracle. The virgin birth. The giving of that of the Son. But going back to our main text, she shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people 
from their sins. We want to focus in on that name, Jesus. Savior. He's the one born of Mary. The one spoken of by Isaiah, as we've already noted. Jesus, for He shall save. He shall deliver. He shall deliver His people. His people. Whose people? His people. Who are these people? This statement here that is made by the angel that speaks to Joseph, this statement that is made by the angel with regards to this one that is is named Jesus. Who are His people? We would say to you first of all from that of our text that they are a sinful people. They are a sinful people. For you note here in our text, it says, For he shall save his people from their sins. He shall save his people from their sins. Which would indicate that his people is a sinful people. He'll save his people, his sinful people from that of their sins is what he will do. But we would stop and ask the question, as some perhaps might ask, does this refer only to that of the Jewish people? I mean, was not Matthew a Jew and was not Jesus a Jew and did he not come? And primarily his ministry being be to that of the Jewish people. Yeah, his ministry was pretty much to the Jewish people, wasn't it? But over the Gospel of John, chapter 1, if you turn there with us. John, chapter 1. And in verse number 29, we're told the next day John, that is John the Baptist, seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. The sin of the world. John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, verses that we probably know by heart, especially verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Over in 1 John chapter 1, if you turn there with us, 1 John chapter 1. And 
or actually First John chapter 2, beginning with verse number 1. John writes, My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and He is the propitiation or the satisfaction for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now, John is the writer of this epistle, the Apostle John, and he was a Jew, wasn't he? And as he writes to those who have believed upon the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he tells them, he says, my little children, we have an advocate. We have that of a lawyer. My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And He, that is Jesus Christ, the righteous, is the propitiation or satisfaction for our sins. For our sins. Who is, who is John speaking of there? When he speaks of Jesus Christ, the advocate, the righteous one, as being the propitiation for our sins. Well, one would have to assume that John is including himself there with that pronoun there. He is a propitiation for our sins. But he doesn't stop there, does he? He goes on to say, and not for ours only. In other words, John here, he, he's speaking about Jesus Christ, that of His propitiation, that of His sacrifice upon the cross, His death upon the cross, that of His bloody sacrifice upon the cross. And as He does, He tells us here in verse number 2 that He is the propitiation for our sins and not our, only our sins, that is, that is, that is the Jews. But, but also for the sins of the whole world. The sins of the whole world. In other words, beloved, not just the Jews alone, but Gentiles also. You see, Jesus was conceived, was brought forth by a virgin. He came, beloved, with a purpose. And that purpose was to give His life for that of His people, His sinful people, to take care of that of their sins. And it wasn't just the Jews, but it was also the Gentiles. For all who would believe Upon him, whether one be a Jew or a Gentile. Over in the first Timothy chapter one. First Timothy chapter one and verse number fifteen. The apostle Paul 
He writes, this is a faithful saying. And worthy of all acceptation. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. And He came into the world to save sinners. His people. His sinful people. The ones who were given to Him by the Father. Over in John chapter 17. John chapter 17. Verses 1 through 3. says, These words spake Jesus and lifted up His eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify Thy Son, that Thy Son also may glorify Thee. As Thou hast given Him power over all flesh, that He should give eternal life to as many as Thou hast given Him. And this is life eternal, that they might know Thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent. Here we have the very words of Jesus Himself. And He tells us in these words as He prays unto His Father. He makes mention of the very fact that He was sent by that of the Father. And He says, He has given Him power over all flesh that He should give eternal life to as many as Thou hast given Him. And this is life eternal that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Oh, beloved. As we come back to that of our text, for he shall save his people from their sins. Beloved, we have that of a definite people that are being spoken of there in that text. Yes, they are a sinful people. But beloved, they are a special people because they were given unto that of the Son. And He came, beloved, to give His life that they might have life also. Whosoever believeth in Him should not perish. I ask you in closing, do you know this one? Do you know this one born of the Virgin Mary, this one whom the Scriptures tells us without doubt that He would save His people from their sins. Beloved, it's not that He might, that He might be able, but beloved, you'll notice that He shall save His people from their sins. Do you know this Savior? Do you know this One who is mighty to save? This One that came born of the Virgin Mary, taking on that of human flesh and giving His life upon the cross that sinful people like you and I might be forgiven and have the hope of eternal life. All right. Let us stand and we'll have that of a closing hymn.
On the back of your bulletin, we have an old hymn which I think that most of us are familiar with. Saved by the blood of the crucified one, now ransomed from sin and a new world begun. Sing praise to the Father and praise to the Son. Saved by the blood of the crucified one. Glory and saved. Glory, I'm saved, my sins are all pardoned, my guilt is all gone. Glory, I'm saved, glory, I'm saved, I'm saved by the blood of the crucified one. I'm reminded we will have an afternoon service today for as Brother Don Gibbons quoting with Our dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you for my dear Son, my only begotten Son. Our Father, we praise you for your generosity, Lord, for your gracious plan of redemption to send him into this world. our Savior, to deliver us from the power of sin, from Satan, from death itself. Uh, Father, we rejoice in Him, may our hearts be fixed upon Him, or may each one here own Him as their Savior. Father, we pray that you would bless the gospel here in this house.